Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Hear ye, hear ye, lords and ladies of the drink, we gather around today to, cu- to discuss the sweetest of beverages, mead. Okay, I can't keep that up. And it's a disservice to me to think of it as just a ri- thing for rent fairs. It's more of something, it's more than just something to wash down giant turkey legs. Now I'm hungry. Focus, Bob. <laughs> Focus. It's time to talk about that oldest of alcohols and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We are down a Casey Price this week. His, him and his adventures. We, we always seem to be down a somebody lately. <laughs> it's it's the summer. It's people uh, people traveling. Yeah, you know. yeah. it's gonna it's gonna keep happening a little bit, but uh, you know we're gonna. Whoever's here will soldier on and carry <laughs> carry that alcohol-laden torch. Indeed. <laughs> we soak it in 151 and then light it up. Speaking of alcohol-laden torch, uh, Justin, what are you even up to? Oh, <laughs> well, okay. Um, you know, normally my, my, my D&D nights are not, like, super nuts. Uh, thank you, Chap App. Uh... <laughs> But they're not like super nuts. I usually like we'll, we'll grab a couple beers. This time, one I had beer fresh from a trip to share, and then two, our D and D game got canceled. But we still wanted to hang out. Like the DM couldn't make it, so we're like, "Oh, what shall we do?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Guys, I have all this beer." And the one of my friends was like, "I too have an abundance of beer." So we loaded up everything, headed back to. Uh, I headed to to my friend's house and just sat around, drank, uh, played Star Trek Trivial uh, Star Trek uh, Seen It. Oh, it's like so we had to break out something that could play a DVD. <laughs> right, that's a good, that's a good point. You never think about that. I actually really like the Seen It games, but then I'm like, oh yeah, we have a we never use our DVD player anymore ever, or maybe at Christmas. Quick, quick thing about the Seen It games. They have a category that, like, they have one of their things, like, oh, a random word jumble for Star Trek. Mm. Do you know how much Star Trek words are just random letters assembled <laughs> next to each other? It's all the, the science babble talk stuff. Yeah. It's like, I can't find who this is supposed to be. We just gave up. We saw that come up with, like, all right, well, no one's turn is this turn. Let's uh, move it around <laughs> the board. Uh, but, uh, like, I brought down some stuff from Asheville, uh, plus some stuff from Sensi from. Uh, oh, yeah. You may have remember me mentioning from the previous weeks, uh, but I had uh, like I shared the the uh, red 
what, what's the iron thing from fire iron. urban artifact fire yes, iron. the fire iron Banana i was going to say tire guava. iron i was like that's not right fire tire no <laughs> getting further away uh, i shared some of that and everyone was like really surprised at how good that was they also were really surprised that it was beer yeah i can see that <laughs> uh but uh one of them brought uh, broke out the uh the woot stout which uh Real sweet, really enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we all had a little bit of the uh, uh, the Firestone Walker stuff. I've got the the loop uh, something. Yeah, it's in what the fridge. It? You gave me one. I, I got it. The name. I was about to break that. Lupronic something. It's it's in the fridge, and I can't think of the name of it right now. And then I'm trying to find the name of the last thing we had. I forgot to check into it, uh, but it was from uh, Dogfish Head. Was it the uh, Fruitful Fort? It was the Fruitful Fort. Mm. It's just port wine, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. It's like a but real... It's, it's just port. I wish it's, I could try that. It's a fruity version of Utopias is what it tastes like. Yes. Yes. It was also apparently pretty, pretty expensive for you know what it was. But I was also like, man, tasty as hell. Ten to eleven dollars for a twelve ounce bottle. Yeah, yeah. It's a dogfish head, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's about what I kind of expect for some of their stuff. When if yeah. you see the like day glow yellow cap with the exclamation on it, you know it's going to be about ten bucks a bottle. Yep. And if you're buying a four pack, get ready to throw down at least thirty five to forty. Yeah. But that stuff's all always so good because that's what the 120 minute always comes in, and what else is in it? Um, uh, worldwide is always mm-hmm. in that series. So, but yeah, real just a just a good fun night of uh, trying beers with friends. It's you know, it's a good time. Yeah, if only I had some way to do that publicly. You know, once a once a week. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Uh, As uh, if you're watching the video, uh, you can guess uh, we are uh, cat-sitting this weekend. We are cat-sitting Momo again. Momo! She is I tried willing. to pet her a second ago, and she's like, I am trying to nap. So that's a static image, um, if you're watching the video. She is I was almost, convinced. But not far I, off from the live... She is laying one foot away from that current position. Like, yeah. in the exact... She's arranged the same way. It's just if you teleported her... A foot out of there, and that's where she's currently laying. I, 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 we had this image up during our news uh, stream show, which you guys should, you know, if you're watching now, you should check out uh, Have a Drink News, our <laughs> news only stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought we just had an actual cam of just Momo, not a picture. I mean, <laughs> we it's not far off. Like, imagine that, and that's basically what's happening right now. But yeah, so that that's been the highlight of our week. Yeah, um, pretty much. Not really been up to a whole lot of some work stuff, but um, yeah, uh, but one thing we can talk about real quick is that something we forgot to bring up last weekend is that we gave the Dogfish Head uh, cooler packs a whirl. And oh, they're yes. terrible. The, the beer they is are. fine. They the are meant is... for outdoors. Yes, uh, as as one would expect, if you fill a cardboard box with ice, it's gonna leak. We were I assuming they were gonna have some kind of lining in there. Yeah, like, that was our. We assumed it'd be like plastic or wax lined, like paper cups are, mm-hmm. to you know prevent the leaking. No, no, it's just a regular. You're paying twenty five bucks for a twelve pack that is pops out into a cooler 
ish thing that within two hours there's water just pouring out the sides of it. Yeah. So if you're camping, uh, yeah, you could take that and you could throw a pack of ice in there and it's gonna, it'll get cold and it'll keep it cold for a while. But if you're going to a house party, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. No. <laughs> we we had we had backup plans. We were prepared for this eventuality. Yeah, yeah. So we were all just dump it all in a big tub. More uh, importantly, the host had backup plans. Yes. <laughs> and that Emily had a giant bucket to put it in. <laughs> yes. Hot beverages knew what to do with cold beverages. Mm, turns out, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just prepared uh, for beverages of all sorts. <laughs> all all right. right. Uh, we do have some announcements. Standard stuff. Um, our next episode is going to be live on Twitch, of course, Saturday, August 11th, 9 p.m. Eastern. And that's going to be covering Coffee Part 2. Part 2. So we've already coffee. done Coffee Part 1. This is the second part of that. Um, the caffeinating is that what we're gonna call it? <laughs> oh, we should. Uh, just because coffee is coffee is like tea. It's just like you can actually go on about it for quite some time. Um, I mean, maybe some people can. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a big history, so there's that. For as much as I like coffee flavors, I don't know why. Well, other than caffeine, why I don't drink actual coffee. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I have one great addiction in my life. It is coffee. Mm. It's All not right. black tar heroin. Is that just me? That that's just you. <laughs> same, probably mm. the same color. Uh, so um, <laughs> we also have an update for the movie drafts, and of course, none of the three of us have heard this yet. So we'll see what happens. It's all right. It means we've taken number one. Coming back. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to your BT Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of July thirtieth, two thousand eighteen. I'm your host, Big Boy Shay. East Coast, West Coast, it really doesn't matter. Bacon is my favorite rapper. Oh yeah. Let's go to the scoreboard. Team Walking Drunk is in last place with $350.2 million. Team Game Night in fifth place with $455 million. Team Ritual Miseries in third place with $610.9 million. Team The Vod Squad's in third place with $732.2 million. Team Have a Drink is in second place with $757.3 million. And Run and Rough Shot over for everybody, it's Team Movie Party with one billion sixteen point three million dollars. That's your movie draft minute, all told as accurate as of August fourth, two thousand eighteen. We will so, slip to third place next week. So crazy rich Asians needs to make all the money. What? <laughs> Half a billion dollars in four weeks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got that. <laughs> considering some of the buzz actually like no I it'll believe make some money casey's, like more than we thought but. casey's been talking this like bs like oh no the buzz around town is that it's gonna just like jokingly and no seeing that they no that's up, what he was saying during the draft itself he was like no i'm serious this has some good buzz this is gonna it's gonna make it and i'm like look <laughs> i haven't had time to prep so i'm gonna trust you so the, the trust is still there, but uh, still I have there. been seeing they passed up a massive deal with Netflix to put that movie out on Netflix because they wanted to make sure it saw cinemas. So let, let's Why, hope. Why, they want Oscars? <laughs> no, because it's it, the first uh, all-Asian cast Oh, yeah, movie you want to make sure in, that's, a, that's a cinema. Okay, that's, yeah, that's in like there. a decade. Yeah. And they're like, no, we wanted to make sure it was in wide release. Mickey Rooney's not in this one. <laughs> but I yeah, I this, mean it's just the worst. If we stay in second place, I think we're still 
I think it's fine. It's going to be a fight to hold second. Because the, they are on our heels. Yeah. Like, we need a big payday just to stay in second. I don't know. I'm it's happy. Fine. We held number one for half of the draft. So yeah, like a good while. Good with that. So, uh, I believe something else happened this past week that we weren't really on top of, and I wish we had been. It was Patreon Day! <gasps> it's yes. like Christmas! It is. So, it yes, pays for the best. <laughs> uh, a big special thank you to all our patrons who, you can, if you want to become a patron, you can go over to patreon.com slash... Have a drink show. Have a drink show. Yeah. I never know what we put it as. <laughs> we literally it's say it at the top of every episode. <laughs> You're, that's implying I listen. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Um, but but yeah. no, it's you guys. We help. don't want to. We don't want to ruin our, our 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 listener numbers, Brittany, by contaminating with with our own <laughs> downloads. We mm. gotta exactly. Indeed, I listen to the first ten seconds of every episode and then immediately turn it off. I'm like, okay, sound is wherever I think it should be. I can't hear my voice. <laughs> but yeah, you all, uh, our patrons, keep the keep the lights on for the podcast so it's because of you all that we can keep doing this we were sinking a ton of our own money into this for actually a couple of years before we got the patreon up and going and it is self-sustaining right now so thank you guys so much for that and we hope really the dream but although growth is (laughs) we got we got some we got plans we have a few things that could they can roll out with yeah. a bit more yeah we we hope to have more we're we're definitely gonna have to tweak the patreon goals um again um but we also hope to be rolling out some more features uh soon so and uh if you are a patron there is that um meetup and hangouts and stuff to consider so just uh look look forward to that all those uh special episodes that we are putting up there in the patron only feed it is uh we have plenty of those still coming we recorded a whole bunch yeah i definitely need to get the next one up yeah guys guys i know i know what our next i know what one of our next patron only videos needs to be it involves a little spoiler oh yeah the miracle fruit we don't we for, for a recording session oh yeah completely I keep forgetting they're up there. And like, I just <laughs> saw them and I was like, how have I still not done this? We have so many things prepped. We just have to all get in the same place to do it. All right. Uh, enough enough babbling about that. I believe. <laughs> all right. So uh, we had quarter uh, two earnings reports and all kinds of good financial stuff come in for many different companies and the industry as a whole for a mid-year report. Instead of giving you all all this individual stuff in the new show, we decided to try and mash a bunch into one big story here. Can I just say that uh, when he's like, oh, quarter two earnings reports, everyone's like, yeah, okay, fine. That's super exciting. Me, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get into the nitty gritty. Tell me about it. I wanted all the like, the mad money sounders and all the things like he's got on that show, and I'm just going to be hitting all that stuff, but no, no, I don't get all that. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to start off with AB InBev. Yeah, I know, not what you really want to hear. Halfway through 2018, Anheuser-Busch InBev's global revenues are up 4.7% despite continued shipment and depletion declines. In the U.S., uh, AB, the world's largest beer manufacturer, posted global revenue growth of 4.7% to more than $14 billion as revenue per hectoliter increased 4% during the second quarter of 2018. 
company that also, is a weird way that's a weird measurement for that metric extremely yeah. or at least it is to me the company also had gross profits of more than 8.8 billion dollars uh, <laughs> worldwide revenues for ab's global brands budweiser stella artois and corona outside the u.s increased 10.1 percent whoo big double digits there uh however like, the guy's no business <laughs> However, uh, U.S. revenues declined 3.1% during Q2 with uh, <laughs> yeah, with year-to-date revenues now down 2.8%. Despite those declines, the company's uh, revenue per hectoliter in the U.S. Gosh. is up 2% on the year. Uh, during today's call with investors and analysts, AB CEO... <laughs> I almost feel like that... Okay, never mind. <laughs> Uh, the Anheuser-Busch CEO, Carlos Brito, characterized the company's Q2 results as solid, noting that trends improved in many key markets. All right. Um, but they were saying, we're pleased to see our global brand portfolio accelerating its growth, especially Budweiser, as a result of a highly successful FIFA World Cup activation. And, uh, like, they are the sponsor for the World Cup, so at least... Once every four years, their numbers worldwide have got to see a pretty, pretty big spike. Yeah, um, and admittedly, a big spike for them is probably like four <laughs> percent. Uh, but you know, still, like it, it's interesting to see see how they're 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 going up, and and you know, this is what they're putting out. So they 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 want to highlight the fact that they're, yeah, you know, they're doing well, but you know. Not doing great domestically. Uh, we're not doing as great domestically as I assume they would want. Uh, they got to figure out a way around that. But, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> they, they have just such a bad name among, like, regular beer yeah. drinkers. Yeah, uh, but as, a, as the largest uh, corporation in the industry, <laughs> so they are yeah. kind of the... Uh, We'll say canary in the mine. Uh, hmm. So with that in mind, at the midway point for 2018, uh, AB's U.S. sales to wholesalers were down 4.8%, while sales to retailers dipped 3.2%. Com- yeah, company expects those numbers to converge in the second half of the year. Uh, during the second quarter, U.S. sales to wholesalers declined 5.1%, while sales to retailers decreased 3.1% which the company attributed to a weaker industry and poor timing of the Easter and 4th of July holidays. 4th of July was like, what, on a Wednesday or something this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. It was, I'm which, sure that would hurt their numbers. Easter, I don't see being a big that's, Budweiser day. That's Yeah, I don't think. Easter, let's go get hammered. Well, I would say no, but I at mean, the same time... I would after... Well, it, it never is. Mind. I actually love my family, but I was going to joke that I was like, We're spending that much time with. <laughs> well, I mean, I could see it, people still doing like cookout kind of things that day. Like, not everybody yeah. does a big family dinner thing. Ooh, man, put some lamb on the on the grill. And, that's mm. what that's what I'm talking. Yeah, like you. So I could see like Guys, that kind I of just... beer be available for that. So maybe. <laughs> now I'm wanting to cook out. Oh, we've been dying to cook out, like, all summer. <laughs> yeah, it's been killing me. All right, so uh, as far as ABM Bev's Q2 is going, so internationally, things are 
going great for him domestically. Eh, things not going so great for him. Uh, there was a quick bit they had for ZX Ventures. Uh, their, uh, I don't know, their acquisitions arm. What was it? it it's it's their shell company to hide what they're buying. Yeah, mm. uh, they announced through uh, ZX Ventures uh, a few changes. So uh, Global Growth and Innovation Team is what they officially call ZX Ventures. Uh, under a common global lead as part of the move, ZX Ventures Chief Disruptive Growth Officer, Pedro Earp will now hold... Yeah, Earp. He's an Earp. Uh, will now hold the dual role of ZX Ventures Officer and Chief Marketing Officer. But I, Okay, but who's his Huckleberry? <laughs> we'll never know. I'm amazed at his title. Disruption yeah. on... Like, okay. Chief Disruptive Man. Growth Officer. Uh, <laughs> that That is perfect. No, that is... <laughs> that is someone who talked himself into a job title. Yeah. Yeah. He must be good at it. <laughs> so, yeah, that we saw some uh, CMO, CEO, and some switches around that in uh, ZX Ventures, but they're they're basically positioning themselves to start shoving wicked weed down your throats. Great. <laughs> All right, so uh, enough about AB's side of this. Let's move into someone else's Q2 reports. Boston Beer Company, who has seen double-digit growth continue in Q2. Uh, Boston Beer Company. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, Boston Beer Company's return to growth continued for a second consecutive quarter. The company, which makes the Samuel Adams, uh, Angry Orchard, Twisted Tea, and Truly Spiked and Sparkling Products, yesterday reported its second quarter earnings results, which were highlighted by a 10.2% increase in net revenue to $273.1 million for the 26-week period ending June 30th. Boston Beer's net revenue was up 13.2% to $463.6 million. Uh, Boston Beer's year-to-date depletions are up 11% due to increased demand for uh, Truly, Twisted Tea, and Angry Orchard products. Yeah, you might uh, notice that not really for the Sam Adams stuff. Well, no. I mean, because... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say... I'm not an I'm I'm not an economist. I don't know terms, but I don't know what depletion means. The best I can guess is that it means like sales, maybe like actually at uh, a market level, like you know where they sell to retailers and then they deplete. But I could be wrong. And if someone can email us in <laughs> contact at haveadrinkshow.com and let me know what it actually is, feedback that would be great. Feedback at Have a Drink Show. Sorry. I'm dumb. <laughs> well, I'm not uh, reading my section yet, Brittany. <laughs> company said, uh, and only partially offset by Samuel Adams' declines. Uh-huh. In the last 13 weeks, depletions increased 12%. As a result of those double-digit depletion trends, uh, Boston Beer has adjusted its full-year depletion guidance. It is now expecting depletion sales, uh, which is sales to retailers, to grow between 7 and 12% in 2018. I am tremendously proud of the efforts of our people in achieving double-digit growth and record total depletions while maintaining a focus on quarterly, on um, yeah, quality and innovations. Boston Beer founder and chairman Jim Cook said during a call with investors and analysts. So, at least Jim's still hopeful with everything, and yeah, it is. 
it's weird to see Boston beer not making their bread and butter off the well, beer. <laughs> I mean, they, it may still be what they make a large chunk of their money off of, but it's just not showing any growth right now. Which I mean, uh, in the summer, I d- I wouldn't think that it would normally like. I well, okay, for their beer, maybe not because a lot of their beer is they don't come out with anything bit, crazy, you know, yeah. new over the summer generally. Uh, and the other end of that too is that Boston beer. It, well, we're, we're you know, Anheuser Busch blamed it on a weaker beer market, and it's kind of the case right now. Like it's it, you know. People have had the the craft beer stuff for a while, and they're wanting to to branch out into other things well, and try yeah, new we, stuff. We were talking to, yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago about how sparkling is the new hot thing, and that's so. Uh, during the first twenty six weeks of twenty eighteen, shipments of Boston beers, uh, cider, tea, and hard seltzer offerings increased eleven point four percent to about two million barrels. Shipments in Q two increased nine percent to one point two million barrels. And the company believes there is an opportunity to deliver even more. That that makes total sense. I actually had somebody at work tell me, like, oh, have you tried the, the hard sparkling stuff? And they specifically mentioned the <laughs> and truly. And you turned and looked at him and went, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well they like, they asked me, I guess, I guess they were thinking it's been out for longer than it has. But, and you're um, like, no, this, I, you're like, that just happened after I got pregnant. Yeah, which is this how is that works. Brand but new. Uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, well, you should try it after you have the baby. And I'm like, eh, maybe. But um, the uh, it was they specifically mentioned mentioned the truly one, which is the Boston beer one, and which I just found like just completely random. Like nobody usually mentions those brands, you know. Um, but to me, it, it makes total sense because in the summer, I yes, you kind of have a go-to beer that you might reach for. But I totally get like you know at a, a random cookout or people who don't like beer or whatever. You've got the sparkling seltzer stuff, and then you've got like the twisted teas, really tasty, and you've got the um, the the angry orchard, uh, that new rosé that they have. That that stuff is going to be exploding probably until fall hits. Sorry, I heard the word truly, and all I could think of after that was Lionel Richie. <laughs> All right, so uh, I do have to say, uh, I think right now is the biggest money-making time for them because we are in the couple of weeks switchover period mm, yes. where you can currently find Summer Ale and Sam Adams Oktoberfest sitting right next to each other. <laughs> they're they're getting rid of the last of the Summer Ale, and it's time to break out the Oktoberfest, which, man, I'm just so happy to see again. And most people are pumped about they They offer more variety in the fall and winter, in my opinion. So like with their with their big packs, you know, um, so people uh, people always look forward to the Oktoberfest beer. Yeah, it's well, and I was going to say like just the standard Boston lager. It doesn't strike me as a super summer beer. No. So uh, my 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 brain when I think of summer beer, I you think more towards lawnmower beer. You think in Pilsners, lagers, mm-hmm. you know, not super high ABV and just light crisp and you know, get you through the. Whatever. But. Yeah. Don't don't feel down though when we say that uh, the beer end of things aren't exactly booming for them because overall uh, they do have a massive increased demand and all their production facilities have been operating at capacity. Hmm. So it's like they are they can literally not make any more liquid than they currently are making. Like they are cranking everything out on all cylinders. So I don't things, know. Things if good. I have enough of their stuff, I can make more liquid. <laughs> Things are good in the house that Jim built. 
So <laughs> what about the industry that he helped build? Yeah, yeah. So we're yeah, going to yeah. take a look at the mid-year report from the Brewers Association. Get a little crafty in here. Uh, the Brewers Association is reporting a 5% growth midway through 2018, whereas at this point last year we were reporting double-digit uh, shrinkage. Hmm. Growth for small and independent brewers in the U.S. is stable as production at craft beer companies grew 5% through the first six months of 2018, according to data from Industry Trade Group, the Brewers Association. The nonprofit group today shared its annual mid-year growth figures, noting that there were 6,655 active breweries as of June 30th, up from 5,562 a year ago. Wow. Yeah. According... Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just saying, that's... That's good to hear. That said, you know, some of those are going to fail and new ones going to pop up within the same year. Yeah. Uh, according, according to the Brewers Association Chief Economist, Bart Watson, the market continues to show demand for small and independent craft brewers. There are certainly industry headwinds, but this stabilized growth rate is reflective of the market realities that exist for brewers today. Uh, Watson said, echoing statements made in 2017 when he commented on the growth pace for small and independent brewers has stabilized at a rate that still reflects progress, but in a more mature market. Uh, at this time last year, last year, craft growth was also up 5%, according to the Brewers Association. That's not really what they were singing at this point last year. No. Uh, maybe in retrospect they're saying that, um, but they're saying not all growth is created equal. In fact, uh, Watson parsed that data further in a blog post on uh, the organization's website, noting that only 60% of the regional craft breweries, those making more than 15,000 barrels annually, who responded to the organization's mid-year survey, were growing. So this is something Casey's echoed, and if he were here, he would be saying, like, for months he's been saying this, that uh, the regional-level breweries are going to see a really tough time right now because craft is no longer the hot thing. And that's what helped them explode to the level they're at. And you really got to be pulling in impressive numbers to be operating at that level. So around here, we see like Cincinnati can support 60 plus breweries because the majority of them are neighborhood breweries. They aren't uh, packaging anything. Everything is uh, draft sales. So it's just their kegs and stuff out of their tap room. Yeah, and that's how... Uh how a lot of the breweries in lexington just generally operate like some of them will will sell stuff out but like you know you're not finding a whole lot of cans of uh blue stallion cans or bottles of blue stallion sitting around on on yeah. shelves of anything yeah they uh, aren't really destroying if they do i've noticed blue stallion uh they're they are doing more releases of packaged beer but it is mm -hmm. from their location yeah. you come there and pick it up they aren't selling it to grocery stores or liquor barn or anyone and then you got to go there and buy it you got to go straight to the source but you know, it, it it creates an experience for a lot of uh, a lot of people. You know, you 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 get this beer when you go to that place, and yeah. it's part of the whole thing of it. So you know, you're not gonna you know be sitting around drinking at home, but you make a night of it when you go out and head down to the brewery and you know get whatever you want. And I it, I see it working on a smaller scale. It's just hard to get them to step up from that level to the next level, mm. and then from that level to just maintain. It's, it's yeah that level up is what they're uh, concerned with uh, moving on the article uh, watson who also looked at retail scan data from market research firm iri worldwide 
wrote that companies that sold between 100,000 and a million cases were actually down about 1.5% midway through the year. Uh, and it gets worse for those Brew Association defined craft beer companies selling more than a million cases at off-premise retail accounts. According to IRI, mid-year growth for those companies is down about 2.5% collectively. Uh, conversely, those outfits selling 10,000 cases of beer or less at off-premise retail channels, tracked by IRI, often referred to as the long tail, were up nearly 31% through July 1st, 2018, and the Brew Association defined companies selling between 10,000 and 100,000 cases were up about 5.5% during the period. But even growth among those two groups has slowed from 42.8% to 15.1% respectively. Whew. Yeah. But, you know, that's just, you know, we're at the part where, you know, you don't want to say it, but the, the market's kind of saturated. There's yeah. It's so many options that but it, stuff's going to get. We're stable is what it is. Everyone yeah. can't expect to be the next Sam Adams or Abita or any of the, you know, these massive... <laughs> The time to make New Belgium has probably passed. But yeah. the time to make a nice local brewery is uh uh just you know, probably right in the right spot right now. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as uh according to all these stories, on the whole, things are looking good. Quarter two, first mm -hmm. half of the year down, uh, everybody's looking all right. Things have, you know, kinda evened off here. We're seeing oh. that uh craft beer has not really been a quote unquote bubble. And it's just the market matured, and now everyone's settling into this current climate. Hmm. All right, you know what'll help everyone else settle into this current climate? A little untapped. Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son! I was going to say badges. <laughs> <laughs> badges. I, I need some stinking badges. So and, do I. Uh, to start off with, we've got the ultimate session with All Day IPA. Hmm. Uh, summer is here and it's time to break up uh, break out those cool crisp session beers if you're looking for the ultimate session beer for you, all of your adventures be sure to pick up Founders Brewing Company All Day IPA this complex yet balanced IPA comes in at 4.7% ABV offers a clean refreshing finish to stave off the summer heat yeah that's pretty fair actually like, this is <laughs> Yo, a nice accurate. good summer beer <laughs> they started putting that thing in like the what is it like 18 ounce cans like they're huge and i yeah. love it like because that is a beer you definitely need in those big cans that's a lawnmower beer yep mm -hmm. uh all day ipa keeps your taste buds satisfied while keeping your senses sharp uh reach for your all day ipa and be sure to uh check in and you'll be rewarded check into one all day ipa from founders brewing during the month of august and you'll unlock the all new ultimate session with the all day ipa badge Oh, that's good that we got that in early <laughs> like you yeah. actually have like the whole month now guys yeah for for a change yeah. whereas like, we're not to, like three weeks or whatever, we're not starting know. like starting to read the untapped segments and going oh wait that one expired last week and then deleting it out yeah <laughs> but speaking of one that's already gone i just had uh some weird issues with it so um was it friday thursday it was thursday we had uh ipa day 2018 and you get the one-day badge for checking into an IPA. Well, I thought I would grab a zombie dust out because I'd got some. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're still sitting in the fridge. I need to drink them fresh. So I decided to have one for IPA day. 
and it didn't qualify for the badge because it's only listed as a pale See? ale, not an India yep. pale ale. Yep. I was like, what the F? <laughs> yeah, like how they, how it is listed matters. So, yeah. So, uh, it got, it got uh, kind of screwed out of that badge. A little raw on that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I just had time to sneak one beer in before I went to bed, and that was it. And there wasn't time to <laughs> to remedy the issue. So you're going to say I only had time to sneak one beer in before I went to work. <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing that. Especially not at like four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, but... Uh, <laughs> You'd be fine by the time anyone responsible is awake. <laughs> if you'd like to see when uh, these types of shenanigans are going down, uh, you can add us on Untapped. I am WalkerX42. I am... One yum. And I'm at Spiced and Hoppy. Alright. Alright. Well, I believe, ladies and gentlemen, lady and gentlemen, we have a topic. <laughs> we do. Yeah, and we so have I'm a long... i to try to get this clip ready. I don't, she probably didn't, I don't think she even put it at the right point, so there's almost no point in playing it. Uh, yeah, let's find out. I cannot taste neither the fermentation of grape nor of wheat <laughs> what why do you laugh <laughs> honey <laughs> it's made from honey all right, we got so it in there. <laughs> uh, if that's going to give it away, we are talking about Mead, and that was from the 13th Warrior, because he, he spends the whole movie with a group of Vikings who are constantly trying to get him to drink, and he keeps saying, because he's Muslim, that he can't, and at the end, because he, he gives them that lame excuse, and then he, they just laugh, and he's like, it's honey! <laughs> and, then he, and then he proceeds uh. to drink the entire horn of Mead. <laughs> All right. Well, mead may be the ancestor of all alcoholic beverages. It's enjoyed by audiences with all manner of royalty, uh, epic fictional heroes, and even Greek gods. The history of mead goes back more than 8,000 years. Chinese pottery vessels dating from 7,000 BC uh, suggest that mead fermentation uh, mead fermentation that uh, outages both wine and beer. The very first batch of mead was probably a chance discovery. Early foragers likely drank the contents from a rainwater-flooded beehive that uh, fermented naturally with the help of airborne yeast. The earliest surviving description of mead uh, is in the hymns of uh, Rigveda, one of the sacred books of the historical Vedic uh, religion and later Hin- uh, Hinduism, dated around 17 to, uh, 1700 to 1100 B.C., so real quick, let's let's jump back just a bit because the the idea of like finding a rainwater flooded beehive just makes me always think. Uh, yeah, most drinking tends to happen because uh, most discoveries like that tend to happen uh, because yeah. like, hey man, dare you to drink that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. But anyway, during the golden age of ancient Greece, mead was said to be the preferred drink. Aristotle uh, discussed mead and his. Uh, Meteorologica, and elsewhere, while Pliny the Elder called called Mead Melitites, Melitites. His natural uh, in his Naturalis Historia, 
and differentiated wine sweetened with honey or honey wine from mead. The Hispanic Roman naturalist uh, Colum- Columnia uh, gave a recipe for mead in De, De Re Rustica and in six, uh, about uh, 60 CE. Next thing that comes out of that chicken. I'll eat the next thing that comes out of that chicken. Yeah, that's pretty much ancient history. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, apparently that recipe is take rainwater kept for several years, mix with a sextarius of uh, of this water with a uh, Roman pound of honey. Uh, for weaker mead, mix sextarius of water with nine ounces of honey. The hole is exposed to the sun for 40 days and then left on a shelf near the fire. If you have no rainwater, then boil spring water. Yeah. Sure. At least they knew also, boil that water. We poop (laughs) just upstream of where we're at. (laughs) Or at least someone does. Uh, once knowledge of meat production was in place, the sweet beverage became globally gulpable, uh, popular among uh, among Vikings, Mayans, Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans alike, referred to as nectar of the gods by ancient Greeks. Uh, mead was believed to be dew sent from the heavens and collected by bees. Man, the Greeks had some weird ideas about what was actually <laughs> happening with everything. Yeah. Right? The general explanation for natural phenomena... Zeus has his dick out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much so they explained a lot of things. Uh, anyway, uh, many European cultures considered bees to be mes- uh, to be the gods' messengers. Really, I just consider them to be annoying little things that try to try to sting me. They're, they're just magical little things that make all agriculture possible. I mean, look, they serve a purpose, but they try to sting me, <laughs> and I did nothing to them. Pretty much. Uh... Anyway, uh, mead was also associated with immortality because of this and uh, other magical powers, such as Olympus-level strength and wit. For this reason, mead continued to factor heavily into Greek ceremonies in its, uh, even after its eventual decline in drinking popularity. Alcoholic drinks made from honey were common among the Scandinavia, Gaul, and Teutonic Europe, and Greece and in the Middle Ages, particularly among the northern countries where grapevines do not flourish. The... Uh, hydromel of Greek and Romans was probably like the mead drunk by the Celts and the Anglo-Saxons, although Roman balsam or bols was not mead, but wine sweetened with honey, which let's be honest, if you're going to be uh, sweetening something with honey, (laughs) it shouldn't be wine. You should throw that stuff out. It's garbage. (laughs) No, uh, no, you had it right. It's garbage. In Celtic and Anglo-Saxon literature, such as the writings of uh, Taliesin and the Magab- Magabongion and Beowulf, uh, mead is a drink of kings and thanes. Chaucer's uh, Miller drank mead, but by the 14th century, spiced ale and piment, a sweetened kind, uh, sweetened wine similar to Molsum, uh, was superseding it in popularity. Well. So, uh, the rules, I tried to find these actual rules and could not find them anywhere, which really upset me. I could always find people referencing it, but the rules that uh, the great King Howe laid down for making mead in the 10th century are proof that the Welsh uh, took great interest in mead. 
They preferred spiced mead, and it was from the early 16th century when the Tudors brought elements of Welsh culture into England that the word metheglin was often used for plain and spiced mead alike. The Welsh word for mead is med, and the word metheglin derives from... Oh. <laughs> Medglin, I guess? Or Medglin? Medglin? Medglin. Medglin! Look, you can't speak Welsh without being at least three sheets. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just how it works. A compound of uh, medig, uh, healing, plus lin, which is liquor. So it literally means healing liquor. <laughs> uh, infusing herbs into a sweet mead made them more agreeable, and different varieties were thought to improve digestion, help with depression, and alleviate good old-fashioned hypochondria. <laughs> Makes sense for the time Doctor, period. I feel bad. What should I do? I don't know. Have a drink. <laughs> yeah, have a couple drinks. Have a drink. Uh, sweet mead is the original aphrodisiac. The origin of honeymoon harks back to the medieval tradition of drinking honey wine for a full moon cycle after a new marriage. All that golden essence would supposedly ensure a fruitful union bearing plenty of children. This mead-based insurance policy was taken so seriously that a bride's father included a month's worth of mead in her dowry. Look, it's just, you know, <laughs> you're drunk enough. You're just going to get a little, everyone's a little drunk. Everyone's a little, a little fresh. Yeah, 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 sure, fine. <laughs> That's the pleasant version of it that I like to imagine happened. Yes. <laughs> it gets a lot darker if I think about it the other way. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Queen Elizabeth has been known to throw back a golden goblet or two and even maintains a favorite mead recipe made with rosemary, thyme, bay leaves, and sweet rye. Hmm. And uh, as we all know, King Midas, with his golden touch, his tomb was discovered in Turkey and revealed remains of the king's funeral feast. Guess what was found in the ancient <laughs> drinking cups? Sweet mead residue. It is a it was a mead like residue, and that was I had considered getting a Midas touch to drink for this episode. Oh, yeah. So all I can think of when they mention King Midas is like, wait, wait, wait. So we're not saying that it's it's uh well of course it's in Turkey where they invented coined coined currency in the you know, this hat, you know, that section of the East, you yeah. know, a little while after China. But what's the name of the king I'm trying to think of that invented currency for. Mm, no idea. Uh, Chris, I need your help. I don't you know, got... man. I've, I've already had a whole bomber to myself. I'm no good to anyone. <sighs> this is going to bug me for the rest of the show. Continue on. You're going to hear me shout out someone's name as I'm doing research. <laughs> All right. Nonetheless, uh, mead, once the most common alcoholic drink of England, had lost ground to ales and beers uh, since the earliest days of improved medieval agriculture, and also to wines imported from uh, Gascony for wealthy uh, from the 12th century onward. Finally, when the West Indian sugar began to be imported in quantity, uh, this is around the 17th century, there were less incentive to keep bees, and the essential honey became scarcer. Hmm. Wah, wah. Yeah, it's a little sad. Um, all right, so we're going to touch on the process a little bit. Um, Croesus! 
He didn't invent it, but it's who I was thinking of. Croesus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> city state of Lydia invented minting. Sorry, this was bugging me, and Google helped. That's fair. Uh, okay, so um, the yeast used in mead making is often identical to that used in wine making. Many home mead makers choose to use wine yeasts, particularly those used in the preparation of white wines, to make their meads. White, white, wine. <laughs> uh, by measuring the specific gravity of the mead once before fermentation and throughout the fermentation process by means of a hydrometer and refractometer, mead makers can determine the proportion of alcohol by volume that will appear in the final product. This also serves another purpose. By measuring specific gravity throughout fermentation, a mead maker can quickly troubleshoot a stuck batch, one where the fermentation process has been halted prematurely. Um, meads will often ferment well at the same temperatures, or well at the same temperatures in which wine is fermented. Uh, a lot of similarities here. Uh, after primary fermentation slows down significantly, the mead is then racked into a second container, and this is the secondary fermentation. Some larger commercial fermenters are designed to allow both primary and secondary to happen inside the same vessel. Racking is done for two reasons. It lets the meads sit away from the remains of the yeast cells that have died during the fermentation process, and it lets the mead have time to clear. If the mead maker wishes to back-sweeten the product... <laughs> or Sorry, I'm just picturing... Uh, picturing uh, 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 doing the, the emergency... Te- you know, the, the emergency, like, defib... Oh. It's like, the yeast is sitting there, clear! Oh. <laughs> oh, jeez. If the mead maker wishes to back-sweeten the product or prevent it from oxidizing, uh, potassium metabisulfite and potassium sorbate are added. After the mead clears, it's bottled and distributed. Though, so, otherwise not a, a hugely drawn-out process. Um, okay, so... I mean, you have to... You can stumble upon it by chance, apparently. So Right, yeah. So, um, there's actually a BJCP style guide for mead, uh, specifically. So, well... I would say, well, well, mead is... You technically brew mead. Right. Lo- so... Yeah, it's, you know, it's such a weird makes, category. It follows. Um, but so it covers four main categories, um... Just like a lot of the BJCP, you know, stuff does for like beer and whatever else. So you've got traditional, which includes dry, semi-sweet, and sweet. The fruit meads, which are sicer, piment, berry, stone fruit, and melomel. I don't think I've ever had fruit mead, but now I'm curious. I know, right? I've seen it, but I haven't had it. It's one of those things, so there's only one, one or two places around here that get any in, and it sells out immediately. Huh. Um, next we have spiced mead, the third category, and that includes fruit and spiced mead and then spice, herb, or vegetable mead. So I've had a friend that has made, um, I'll say spiced mead, Hmm. but if we're talking vegetables, those vegetables are like habaneros. (laughs) (laughs) They're tasty. They are fruits because they have seeds. But yeah, I was gonna say uh, pumpkin, and I was like, nope, that has seeds. <laughs> so it's like, I got nothing. They are 
like blow your blow the back of your head out and make your butthole <laughs> regret everything it's ever had, you know, 12 hours later. On that note, but, see the Modern Rogue episode about peppers. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> Don't ever make me do that, guys. Oh, God. Because no. you know if you've got me drunk enough, I'll do it. <laughs> so I wasn't, this is a side jag. We'll yeah. get back to me in a second. Uh, While well, watching that episode, at the same time in our Discord, it was brought up that we need to do uh, something on hangover remedies because they are testing, while they're doing on that episode of Modern Rogue, testing all these extremely spicy peppers. Mm, they're testing the remedies, the remedies for spicy oh, oh. things. And then so I was like, well, maybe we need to do something similar for hangover remedies. We got to get a few a, a select individuals good and drunk and then make sure they're going to be hungover the next morning so that we can <laughs> test a different remedy on each of them. Chris. Why Why do I have the feeling it's you and me get real drunk and real hungover? I was going to say, because I don't it think happens, this is going to go well. <laughs> it happens to the two of us anyway. We might as well. <laughs> might as well. Hmm. Oh, God. It's Okay, it's it's the next stream after the next New Year's one where I'm going to have too much and be... I don't want anybody to um, get alcohol poisoning either, though. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to try for gold. I'm just <laughs> saying it's going to happen. So it's just plan for the eventuality. Oh, jeez. All right. Back to episode. Right. Okay. So the fourth category is specialty mead. This includes uh, something called braggot, which would probably be in the list that we could do in a little bit, um, historical mead, and experimental. So uh, important attributes of mead, according to the BJCP, are sweetness, carbonation, strength, honey variety, which is important, uh, special ingredients, flavor and mouthfeel then the uh okay so this is the this was like the most interesting thing to me <laughs> apparently there is also a international mead competition yeah sure it's held every year in colorado <laughs> yeah <laughs> in sure. boulder colorado uh and it uses the bjcp guidelines for the judging it's the largest mead event in the world with more than 300 home meads and more than 200 commercial meads in the competition. There is a Friday tasting event with the gold medal winning commercial meads from the previous year, plus feature meads around the world. Uh, this competition is produced and operated by volunteers who are mead lovers and enthusiasts from across the U.S. who want to see mead restored to its rightful place as a mainstream beverage everyone can enjoy. So You know what? Is... I'm, I'm all for that. I, I feel like mead should be a more a bigger thing than it is. No, it is yeah. huge watching. So a lot of the same places where I would look for uh, specialty beer releases, they've they've stopped uh, publishing anything about special beer releases and focus solely on mead and craft mm. there, mead. There's, there's been a growing craft mead movement. It is yeah. blowing up. It is insane how fast mead is growing. Mm -hmm. and a buddy of mine was trying to get ahead of the curve on that, and he, I'm just saying, he, he made some good mead. Uh, so on, on that note for the uh, event, the competition's operated and hosted by, uh, I don't know, it's, oh, by the way, it's called the Mazer, or Metzer, I'm not really sure, it's M-A-Z-E-R, uh, Cup International, and it's the a not- The Cup. <laughs> it's a not-for-profit 501c3 organization, and the funds are dispersed- are <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. Oh, um, other than not for profit, five hundred one C cubed. Five hundred one C three is is a is a 
kind of a, a tax thing for not they're, nonprofits. They're non they're a non taxed nonprofit. Yeah. So that means any money given to them is not taxed. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I had that's, to deal with it a lot when I was in AmeriCorps. So. That's what uh, not for profit organizations strive to get because you yeah. can be a nonprofit, but you bring in more money than your operational costs and then you start getting taxed. Yeah. Um, so no funds are dispersed to board or planning committee members except to reimburse out of pocket expenses, which are verified by receipts and things like that. Um, all proceeds from the event um, and associated events are used to fund the competitions and they also give sub financial support to the community food share. It's actually two organizations around the Boulder. Um, can't remember the, the name of the county in the Boulder area, but that's, that's where that uh, money goes. Cave. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to dive into some varieties and variants of which there are many. <laughs> of which I am one. <laughs> so meat can have a wide range of flavors depending on the source of the honey, as you would imagine. Additives and adjuncts, including fruit and spices, uh, the yeast employed during fermentation, and the aging procedure. I just suddenly remembered my grandfather used to keep bees and would make his own honey, and now I'm just like... Damn it, Grandpa! How come we didn't have mead? Granddad was probably making mead, and not <laughs> you didn't get to have any. <laughs> no, he was he was an old regular Baptist. Oh, okay, then. There, there's a reason I didn't start drinking until I was actually 21. <laughs> <laughs> so some procedures have uh, marketed white wine sweetened and flavored with honey after fermentation as mead, sometimes spelling it as some of us have seen, with an extra E. At the end. You set At that the on end. fire. <laughs> yeah, it, it says wine, it's garbage. So that is, uh, have been, that's been my introduction into mead or those such products, and yeah. I hated it because I hate white wine. Now, and this now, is an extra seems, sweet white wine. This seems like what the Renfair stuff is. It is. Oh, probably, This yeah. is exactly what the Renfair garbage is. Yeah. So that is where, like, after doing this episode, I've been like, I need to remedy this. We need to find yeah. real mead. Yes. No, we it, can find it. Jungle Gems has plenty of it. They have some of the best in the country. We just have to go up there and get it. And yeah. I didn't feel like driving up there. Yeah, I. There, there's not a huge mead selection that I have found in my location. So that's why I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't drink to style this episode. But I really kind of wanted to because. Yeah. So, just remember, if you see the extra E, stay away. Mm. Uh, this is closer in style to... Yield. <laughs> this is closer in style to Hypocris? Hypocris? Sure. Uh, blended varieties of mead may be known by the style represented. For instance, a mead made with cinnamon and apples may be referred to as either a cinnamon slicer or an apple metheglin. Uh <laughs> One of those is a much more appealing sounding word. <laughs> Slovak Medovina. Medovina. The mead is produced in the city of. There's yeah. not. There's missing vowels in that <laughs> word. Yeah, that's this is Russian, right. guys. Uh, uh, disclaimer Zorana. for this whole episode. From here on, words. It's so you remember all those uh, ancient uh, civilizations we mentioned yeah, in this, the history bit. Most old. Real quick, this is the most old school episode we've done. It's just the three of us 
And it's a lot of us mispronouncing words. Yeah. We're, we're sorry. This is like <laughs> you knew what you were into. This is like some year one stuff for you guys. Uh, Trinava, <laughs> sure, and, and yeah. has won international recognition during the Mazer Cup. Of course. So this particular mead is brewed in an old Slavic style. Mold mead is a popular drink at Christmas time, in which is mead- it. I want that. The double. I, I want to try this actually. In which it's well, just like mulled wine, in which mead is flavored with spices and sometimes various fruits and warmed, except traditionally by having a hot poker plunged into it. Hell's yeah! <laughs> I imagine if you want to try it, <laughs> if you want to be as Viking as you can about it, it's a hot sword plunged into <laughs> it to heat it up. Chris, I know what we're doing at Christmas. <laughs> I'm rigid thinking about this. <laughs> All right, we need a sword. <laughs> And we need we need a large uh, uh, kiln. Yeah. Say we need the, the actual. We have a sword. We've got that one covered. I mean, I have plenty in the in the place where we're most likely to be doing Christmas, which is at my house near Casey's. So we can get that covered. <laughs> so we have to try that. So there are faux meads, which are actually wines with honey added after fermentation as sweetener. And flavoring. So those are probably Ooh. what you're... You, <laughs> if you've had mead out somewhere at a concert, say, or something like that, that's probably what you've had. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm looking at, like, the... Because, the, like, the Ren Fair we used to go to all the time after Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. You know? I was like, oh, mead, that seems appropriate. This does not taste good. <laughs> yeah, that's because knowing so that there's sweet. most likely it's yeah. mixed with wine. I was like, oh, yeah. that said, so I want a turkey look. We always hate to do lists for you guys, but buckle up, Buckaroo, because <laughs> there are forty-four different varieties of mead variants. Look, it's fine. Variants. They're going to get to hear us butcher. And these, and we're going from ancient Gallic to Russian and Slavic to Greek and uh, Roman, Polish, and Polish. So we're sorry. Apologies. There's, there's also Croatian in there. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, oh, good, <laughs> good. This is when the disclaimer kicks in of like we suck at languages. You miss it. Justin's like <laughs> doing stretches for his mouth and his jaw. He's like, come on, we can. We got these. <laughs> Astroglin, a mead made with honey and maple syrup. Is that the Canadian one? <laughs> Doesn't say, but you know. <laughs> you know, it feels right. Uh, Blanche, a native Mexican version of mead. Mexico had a mead. Mm-mm. I'd be Didn't interested know. in that, actually. Uh, metal Mead made with blueberries, blueberry juice, or sometimes... Uh, for, uh, used for a varietal mead that uses blueberry blossom honey. That sounds delicious. I am so down. <laughs> so you had down. me at blueberry. <laughs> I am DTF. And let's let's institute a rule so we get I'm through DTD. this. <laughs> oh wait, I was like, what? <laughs> down to drink, but then realized what that sounded like. <laughs> All right, so let's institute a rule on these pronunciations to get through this a little more timely. You get one shot at it. Just go. There's yeah. no, there's no going back. You say it the one time and you go on. <laughs> Look, I had to like kind of glance. Yeah, I know, and, I know. I'm yeah. just saying for all of us because otherwise it'll those, be forever. Some of those Slavic ones are going to get interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm just glad I don't have umlauts. <laughs> black mead, um, na- a name sometimes given to a blend of honey and black currants. Mm. Again, right. fine. Yeah. Sold. B- 
Blue mead, a type of mead where fungal spores are added during the first fermentation, lending to a blue tint in the final product. Not sold. <laughs> you know, I like mushrooms. Uh, botch it. Botch. I, I don't know. A mead where honey is caramelized or burned separately before adding the water yields toffee, caramel, chocolate, and toasted marshmallowy flavors. Sold. Botchtimel. A botched style that contains fruits such as elderberries, black raspberries, and blackberries. Hmm. Bracket, a uh, also called bracket, uh, originally brewed with honey and hops, uh, later honey and malt, with or without hops added, Welsh in origin. Huh. Bragwood. If you wanted right. to hear someone try to say Welsh. <laughs> Casicimal. Which I almost said is capsaicin. Uh, a mead flavored with chili peppers. The peppers may be hot or mild. You know what? I you made were... that joke without reading the Capsicum. next sentence. Capsicum. Yeah. yeah, you know, no, you were closer than you thought. Capsaicin mill. <laughs> yeah. Capsaicin mill. Uh, colchin, a kind of mead made in Brittany, which is in France. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is uh, northwestern France. Mm-hmm. And that is actually where... Uh, St. Patrick was probably from. Yep, and that's where uh, the 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 foothold into the modern France that uh, uh, they had during the the let's say Hundred Years' War, but prior to that. Yeah. Sizer, a blend of uh, honey and apple juice fermented together. Also see cider. Hmm. Oh, here we go. There's All some right. Polish. Starting into it. Sierznowak. All right. Uh, Polish mead made using three units of water. For each unit of honey. It just sounds weak. Dangreher. Mead made from Nepal combines honey, Himalayan herbs, and spices. I don't know why I put the H in there. It has been produced since 1972 in the city of Pokhara. I'd I'd try it. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Jishnawak. Juwanjak. Sure, let's go with that one. Yeah. Uh, Polish mead made of equal amounts honey and water. That sounds more... Getting closer what we're looking for. Uh, Great mead. Oh, that's the best one to pronounce yet. <laughs> uh, mead intended to be aged for several years. Liking this so far. Designation is meant to be a distinction of the type of mead from short mead, which we will talk about later. We're getting to that. So, uh, Gewerk, or... Oh, this is... Oh, that's you. I'm fine. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what are you doing? Well, you saw, know the colors. <laughs> I got excited when I thought I could pronounce it. True. Gverk uh, <laughs> or Medovina. I'm, I'm saying Medovina. It's probably not even the right syllables. Anyway, Croatian mead uh, prepared in Samobor and many other places. The word Gverk is the, from the German uh, Gewürz and Gewürz. refers to various spices added to mead. You know how I could guess how to say that that German pronunciation because mm-hmm. of uh, Casey. Casey's love for Gewürztraminer. Ah. Yep, because okay. he loved to use that name in World of Warcraft and anytime. <laughs> and we a none of us game. do it. Like we can't pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next is Hydromel, uh, which sounds a lot like Gargamel. That's all I got in my head. Uh, <laughs> made of Smurfs, strangely blue. Uh, name, name derived from the Greek Hydromeli, literally water honey. It's also the French name for mead hydromel. Uh, it's also used as a name for a light or low alcohol mead. Get that garbage out of here. <laughs> uh, next is Medica or Medovica. I think Medovica is better. 
uh, Slovenian and Slovak variety of mead. Uh, Medovina, which again, Czech, Croatian, Serbian, Montenegrin, Bulgarian, Bosnian, and Slovak for mead. Commercially available just, in the Czech Republic, Slovakia, and presumably other Central and Eastern European countries. Just basically the Balkans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really... Shorten that really. Um, Medovuka, Eastern Slavic variant of the honey-based fermented drink. Uh, Melomel is made from honey and any fruit. Depending on the fruit base used, certain melomels may also be known by more specific names, like the Sicer, the Piment, and uh, Moret, for examples, possibly from the Greek literally meaning apple honey or tree fruit honey. I would posit, what about tomatoes? Ew. Gross. I mean, gross, but... Well, they probably didn't consider them fruit then. I would... Oh. We're going to talk in post-show about one of my favorite D&D memes, but move on. <laughs> okay. uh, next is Metheglin, which I think we've all kind of heard of before. Yes. But uh, Welsh. No, I dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, So it's a traditional mead with herbs or spices added. Some of the most common Metheglins are ginger, tea, orange peel, nutmeg, coriander, cinnamon, cloves, or vanilla. All of that sounds just fine. Okay. It sounded real good. We got the nutmeg, and I just flashed back to the Dutch Indi- Dutch East India Company and went, oh, that's <laughs> tragic. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so Midas is next. This is Lithuanian for mead, made of natural bee honey and berry juice. It's infused with carnation blossoms, acorns, poplar buds, juniper berries, and other herbs. Generally between 8 and 17% alcohol. It's also distilled to produce mead nectar or mead balsam, with some of the varieties having as much as 75% alcohol. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. You're starting fires with that stuff. <laughs> uh, Lithuania. You know what? Lithuania. We're going there now. <laughs> uh, also, when you said uh, poplar, all I could think of were poplars. Oh, from the from uh, Futurama. From Futurama. Where they come from, no one knows. <laughs> Uh, Modu, I'm not, I don't know if I'm saying that wrong, but an Estonian traditional fermented drink with a taste of honey and an alcohol content of 4%. Basic. Uh, Morat, uh, Morat blends honey and mulberries. That hmm. one I've heard of. Oh, okay. I've never heard of that one. Uh, Mulsum. It is not a true mead, but is unfermented honey blended with a high alcohol wine. Get that Ugh. garbage out yeah. of here. Um... <laughs> Hello, game. Momo. Uh, <laughs> next off is Mayad, I'm going to say. So this sure. is the traditional Russian mead. And there are historically three major varieties of this mead. So you've got the aged we mead. We better get real used to it. <laughs> you've got the uh, aged mead, which is a mixture of honey and water or berry juices, subject to a very slow, like 12 to 50 years, anaerobic fermentation, in airtight vessels in a prom- in a process similar to the traditional balsamic vinegar, creating a rich, complex, and high-priced product. Um, okay. You also have drinking mead, which you <laughs> have to pause and be other, like, other crap. Yeah, it's like table wine. It's like, well, what do you? Okay, uh, <laughs> so drinking mead is a kind of honey honey wine made from diluted honey by traditional fermentation. Finally, boiled mead. A drink close to closer to beer, brewed from boiled wort of diluted honey and herbs, very similar to modern uh, Medovuka. 
So those are the three historical types of the traditional Russian meat of Mayad. Um, next is a word. Uh, <laughs> a word. Uh, Omfamakel. Omfakomel. Omfakomel. A mead recipe that blends honey with verjuice, uh, which could there be considered a variety of the piment. Uh, from the Greek omphakomeli, it literally means unripe grape honey. <laughs> uh, and then number 29 on the list, <laughs> oxymel. Another historical mead recipe blending honey with wine vinegar. From the Greek oxymeli, literally meaning vinegar honey. Hmm. Mm, that That's not appealing at all. <laughs> all right. Uh... Here comes my train wreck. Bateria, the Mayan drink made from fermented mixture of wild honey. Uh, the blacha tree, blacha tree bark. I was saying balche, balche, uh, bark and fresh water. Hmm. So piment, uh, contemporary piment is a melamol made from fermentation of a blend of grapes and honey and be considered either grape mead or honeyed wine. Piment made with uh, white grapes is sometimes called white mead. In previous centuries, piment was synonymous with uh, hippocras, uh, a grape wine with honey added post fermentation. Mm. Now we're going to get into like Greek doctors. This is, yeah, I think that's <laughs> the Hippocratic, yeah. I, I am not for that one. Uh, yeah. Let's just go ahead and say that. So, oh God, here we go with the Polish. Just, just go. Oh, I'm glad Chris got all the accents. <laughs> Polotok. Polish grape mead made using two units of honey for each unit of water. Yes. So that, that we're ramping things up a little bit from the first ones you were talking about. Yeah. We're Thank you, Poles. <laughs> uh, red mead, a form of mead made with red currants. Hmm. That actually sounds pretty good. Uh, Rotomol? I, I almost said Rahipnol. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Sure, yeah, close could, enough. Yeah, uh, rotomol is made from uh, honey, rose hips, or rose petals, or rose attar, and water. From the Greek uh, rotomoli, literally rose honey. I like that the Greeks are just straightforward in their <laughs> their stuff. Yeah, the Greeks uh, not uh, not big on the imagination, apparently. All right, uh, let's move to. Oh, I think I've got this one. Sack mead. <laughs> this refers to mead that is made with uh, more honey than is typically used. The finished product contains a higher than average ethanol concentration. Meads at or above fourteen percent ABV are generally considered to be uh, sack strength, and often retain a high specific gravity and elevated levels of sweetness. Although dry sack meads, uh, which have no residual sweetness, can be produced. According to one theory, the, the name derives from fortified dessert wine, sherry, oh. which is sometimes sweetened after fermentation. Uh, that in England, once before uh, once before the nickname sack. One, oh, once bore the nickname. Okay. Well, so... Uh, Short mead. That was, yeah, this is what we were referring to earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, also called quick mead, a type of mead recipe that is meant to age quickly for immediate consumption because the te techniques used in its creation, uh, short mead shares some qualities found in cider uh, or even possibly light ale. 
primarily that is effervescent and often has a cidery taste. I bet we've had some of that. That yeah. That's part of the sweet thing that, like, turned us off. Probably. Uh, so, I, I haven't been saying the numbers, but we are to number 38 of our list. Get in uh, there, guys. <laughs> this is Showmead. Not Showmead the money. Showmead. Term which has come to mean plain mead. That which has honey and water as a base with no fruits, spices, or extra flavorings. Since honey alone often does not provide enough nourishment for the yeast to carry on its life cycle, a mead that is uh, devoid of fruit will sometimes require a special yeast nutrient and other enzymes to produce an acceptable finished product. In most competitions, including all those that subscribe to the BJCP style guidelines, as well as the International <laughs> Mead Fest, the term traditional mead refers to this variety. Because mead is historically a variable product, these guidelines are a recent... Uh, oh, sorry, I've got something stuck in my throat. Are a recent uh, expedient designed to provide a common language for competition judging. Style guidelines per se do not apply to commercial or historical examples of this or any other type of mead. Mm. Number 39. Sima. Sima. <laughs> Sima? No, Sima. Oh. With an S. And if anyone wants to guess why she's so excited about it, <laughs> Sima. Because Brittany li- really likes Zima. Oh, yeah, she does. Drop some Jolly Ranchers in there and she's good to go. <laughs> it's a 90s joke. Get some joke. Skittles. Uh, yeah. Well, they're awful. Uh, a quick fermented, low alcoholic Finnish variety seasoned with lemon pulp and rind and associated with the festival of Vapu or May Day. Uh, during secondary fermentation, raisins are added to control the amount of sugars and act as an indicator of readiness for consumption. They will rise to the top of the bottle. When the drink is ready, I mean, it's... guys, why do we have why do we have festivals for days when planes are crashing? <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> collective sigh. Someone had to say it. No, they didn't, sigh. but they were going. <laughs> All right, uh, this is tray mace. Uh, no, I think it's two options. Oh, tray or mace. Well, there's no R, but yeah, tay or mace. Okay. Is an Ethiopian and Eritrean? Eritrean? Yeah, that mead. Fermented with wild yeast and the addition of gesso. I don't know what it is. Wait. It just hit him. No, no. I'm just curious because there's a three sheets thing where they talk about, like, uh, I'm only thinking because they're in Africa. Uh, But they they, uh, put, like, bees in it that's probably it <laughs> so we've got a few more that are down oh, that track it's like a hop or something oh okay, okay. we got a few Maybe more wrong, that are down but this there, there exists a mead that involves bees <laughs> all right woo, thanks for the follow. Oh, thank you for the big uh, boy. so <laughs> uh so our next one is tella or suwa tella is an ethiopian and Eritrean uh, style of beer with the inclusion of honey. Some recipes are similar to the Bragot or Braget. Brat. Oh god, more Polish. Yeah. A Polish mead uh, made using two units of water for each unit of honey. 
getting real getting quick. Weak. Do you imagine imagine how much fun The Witcher would be if you listened to it in its original Polish? No, <laughs> I would really rather not. Wyslandia, <laughs> uh, a Slovak alternative name for mead, flat out. And our final number forty-four. We made it, guys. <laughs> white mead. Oh, never mind. <laughs> a mead that is colored white with herbs, fruit, or sometimes egg whites. And it's just imperialist as all <laughs> get out. Yeah. Oh, man. So this is... That's, that's an it for the mead thing, I think. So this episode, uh, doing the research for it, it was affirming for why we do this show. It, I really... It's been a while since I've been so excited to do just show to research yeah just to and like i'm constantly we're sitting here looking the stuff up and i'm always leaning over and going oh my god this and it's like shouting this stuff out my god it's it's been fun going through all like like the 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 ancient stuff and the greek stuff like yeah okay fine i know i just unaware of how much of a mead culture existed in like a lot of the 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 slavic and some of the other Regions. So, um, there is a story that some sources we had found uh, were bringing up, and I left it out, but it really, we should have added it in. Because, Justin, you are very aware of this story uh, after reading through uh, Norse gods. Hmm. Uh, Norse mythology. You know, Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman about the uh, mead drinking contest that hmm. Thor was challenged to, where they literally linked an ocean to the bottom of his glass. They linked. Uh, all of the, the 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 world's water, <laughs> and he made a dep- he made an appreciable drop in in sea levels. He's like, no, I got this, I got this. It was great. <laughs> he lost the drinking contest, but dropped the world ocean level by a few feet. Can we get Thor back? Because I feel like we're gonna need him in the coming years. I, I think we're gonna need him. All right. Well, uh, we have a new installment in a segment that we've not touched in a while. And this is going to be, what the hell has Amos been drinking? I've missed this it's like so a much. Party in my mouth, and everyone's throwing up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I'm just so excited to have this back. All right. So I want everyone to clear your mind for a second. So, Amos's review: like a blood orange and hops had a nasty baby. I've swallowed my own vomit, and it tasted better. Not for me. Who had the Blood Orange IPA? What was... There's a there's lot a... of them about. Doesn't have someone have one that's just named Blood Orange IPA? That's not local? Uh, I can't think of it. I feel like okay. somebody else did. Keep in mind, this would have to be available in, in Alaska. In Alaska. Does... Does Anchor Brewing make a blood orange IPA? <laughs> Not Anchor. Um, Alaskan Brewing. Uh, yeah, I, I thought they had some other fancy name other than. No, just Alaskan Brewing, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess it has to be a blood orange something or other, right? Like... <laughs> I All mean, right. unless the I... flavor profile is completely off. <laughs> yeah. If okay, it helps, I'm, I'm going to make. He gave it I'm going to cheat star. a little bit. And I'm I'm gonna go to to a a uh, let me see if I can go to beer advocate and I'm gonna I'm just gonna put type in blood orange and I'm gonna say what I think it is. Hmm. I I know it's cheating a smidge, 
No, but no, I no, honestly... it's just cheating. It's just cheating. <laughs> okay, it's flat out cheating, but I'm I'm looking for something with like blood orange in the name. Is what I was trying to think of. Or if there is a I mean, I'm going to say uh, it's an IPA, but I just I have no idea what other blood oranges are out there. All right. First thing I saw that had blood orange in the title is uh, Super Fuzz Blood Orange IPA from Elysian Brewing Company. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. And you would be correct. Ding, oh, ding, my oh, gosh. gosh. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be right. I just went, all right, just type blood orange and, well, okay. Elysian. And Cheating. Cheating wins, everybody. <laughs> Elysian, the AB InBev company. So yes, uh, I yeah. mean, it's whatever. Clearly, uh, Amos was not a fan of the Super Fuzz. I mean, on the bright side, it didn't taste of metal. <laughs> mm. Indeed, uh, that is always a good thing for your beer to not taste like metal. I mean, when you're getting AB InBev, you it, run that risk. It's always a distinct possibility. So, um. That's what Amos is drinking. What are we drinking? Drink with me, friend. Uh, I can't. I can't tell you how much that that sound appeals to me after falling back into bad habits. Okay. <laughs> World of Warcraft. Oh, oh. Okay. Let's not. Let's not again. It's from Hearthstone, but it's it's Chinstorm Stout. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I actually tried to get something different to drink this time. And even though no, I don't think any of us drank to style, but getting close. I got a beverage that does include honey. So, meh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we, I, I've never seen this before. And we were at the store today and um, saw this. There's a few different flavors, but, and I really wanted to try the berry one, but it had, they lost me when it had mint in it. Um, oh yeah, you're 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 a notorious mint hater. I've, when, I don't want to drink it. I don't want to drink mouthwash. It's weird. Uh, anyway, so this is called the brand is called. Don't Sip. you? I have to stop myself from like swallowing Listerine. <laughs> oh, uh, the brand is called Sip S I P P. Uh, it's called from Sparkling Organics. This flavor is summer pear. Um, so it's actually pear, green tea, and honey, and it's just this like. Slightly sweet, um, sparkling, I don't know, drink with essentially a sparkling tea drink, I guess, but because uh, of the green tea. Um, and of course, it's organic, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's made in Pennsylvania. Um, doesn't have any caffeine, so that's another reason I was attracted to it. <laughs> um, and it, it, oh, it's also lightly sweetened with agave, so there's that too. But yeah, um, it was actually pretty good. I drank the whole thing before we got to this segment, obviously. Uh, I would recommend it. It's not... I was worried that it was going to be super sweet, like some of those drinks are now, but um, I think the pear tones it down a little bit, so that's mm. good. Um, but yeah, that was really tasty. So I had a honey drink, at least. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, well, uh, I couldn't drink to style. My right. beer... My beer. My fridge overflows with beer. Uh so I I tried to go with a spirit. I tried to find something sweet. That was my goal because uh you know honey wine I, I mean honey you know 
honey flavored fermented beverage sweet that seems right uh so i went with uh uh, uh something uh, chris gave me uh the last time uh last time i was down which was a uh, boot stout from mm. stone uh wait that's yeah. not a spirit to what that's oh. not a spirit well, it's no, I meant in the spirit, not a spirit. Oh, I was like, I, I'm thinking you got like Honey Jack or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I went with with the the spirit. Gotcha. Of gotcha. of it, not pouring a spirit. If I was doing that, I got some rum right over there <laughs> that I can. That's definitely not uh, a style. <laughs> but uh, I had, uh, I had Wootstout, uh, the the. 2018 variant Chris had uh, graciously lent me. It is a uh, Russian Imperial Stout. I also dropped my phone <laughs> trying to, if you're wondering what that sound was. Uh, I was trying to find the style of it and I couldn't find it on Beer Advocate. Uh, uh, but it's a Russian Imperial Stout. It's the, the collaboration with, they, they've been doing it for years now. It, it's Will Wheaton. Yeah, uh, Stone Farking Wheaton or something. Yeah, the guy from from Fark, uh, who's a Kentucky native. Oh, uh, Stone, Will Wheaton, and and the Fark guy. Uh, but they, uh, let me find all of its stats. It is uh, 11.5% ABV, 45% IBU. Uh, I don't have a beer advocate score. I do have an untapped, sto- uh, untapped score, which is uh, 4.16. Oh, out of five, pretty nice. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah, and it is, it's, it's real good, guys. I I, I teased it a little bit earlier when I was talking about what I had the other night because I was thinking, what did I have that tasted really sweet? Well, I don't have that dogfish head, uh, uh, basically port as beer, <laughs> uh, but what I did have uh, was was boot stout and. Woodstout gives me a very definite uh, date flavor. Uh, it's it's it's, so it's like a, a darker stout. kind of fruit. Hmm? Tropical stout, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I remember last year's, or I think it, it was last year's. There was pecans. There, the, that huge this flavor. This is supposed of pecans. to have pecans. It. I don't taste the pecans. Huh. Okay. Last year's I did. Like it tastes different from the year before. Yeah. Um. This one, however, uh, has something we, uh, me and Chris talked about uh, last week uh, from uh, 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 from uh, Dark Lord from uh, Three Floyds, where it has a bit of a soy sauce flavor. A little soy saucy. Mm. It's got that on the aftertaste. Doesn't have it like right when it hits you, but when you're finished, you get that that like cloying. Yeah. That's like a, soy saucy kind of flavor. So Woot Stout is one that is tended to be like a lot of people like to age it. I I've had it aged and it's actually pretty good aged. Uh, so, this probably would have been really good if I had like kept it around, but I don't have a nice cool dark place for it. So. Yeah. So the, uh, usually my indicator that if I have something fresh and you hit that soy saucy flavor is you probably want to age it a year or two. And that is best. Yeah. I will try and have because I grabbed a six pack of this year's Woot Stout, but I will now have to tuck a couple of them back, and we'll see if a little age will drop that soy sauce off. I bet I bet age will do it right. Do it good. Does the body good? Mm-hmm. All right, All right Chris. 
What well, are you drinking? What I'm drinking, uh, Age has done this body very good. This is <laughs> Sounds action. cool. <laughs> so I am drinking uh, Miles Davis Bitches Brew. as from <laughs> Dogfish Head. Uh, it's an Imperial Stout coming in at 9%. ABV. Uh, IBUs, only 38. Pretty low. Much stout, yeah. <laughs> uh, beer advocate score of 4.18 out of 5. And you do not often see many beers... Uh, over four on Beer Advocate. A lot of people mm-hmm. not not up to give high honors on there. Uh, so this is this was originally brewed as a few years ago in honor of the 40th anniversary of the original release of uh, the Bitches Brew album from Miles Davis in 1970. As a paradigm-shifting landmark fusion breakthrough, uh, we've created our own Bitches Brew, a bold, dark beer that's a fusion of three threads of Imperial Stout and one thread of Honey Beer with uh, Gesho Root. So, they, like, a lot of tying it in from what we just talked about. Yeah. It's a gestatory analog of Miles Davis's masterpiece. Let's, uh... Let's point out that Chris was the one who drank most of style tonight. <laughs> yeah, it never happens. Enough. I actually had to. I was like, "Oh, I've just got to drink some stuff in my fridge." I'm like, "Do I have anything with honey?" And I looked in the back. I was like, "I have that bitches brew in the <laughs> back. It's brewed with honey." And then, and then when I went through the description of it, I'm like, "All right, it's a, drinking a beer. It's as close as you could get." Yeah. So yeah, this is really good. You can taste uh, like a honey off sweetness that is in there. Overall, I think the honey lends it a weird mouthfeel. Hmm. Uh, but this is wood-aged, so I think that helps round off a lot of the honey sweetness. So it's not really weird. But there is just some like light honey notes that are hanging around in there. And it is very nice, and it is now available. I think this one, it was originally intended to be a one-off uh, when they did it a few years ago for the actual 40th anniversary. And now uh, I think it's going to be a year-round availability because Dogfish does not do many stouts, and they have no year-round stouts. Yeah, that's a good point. They, I mean, they do. They do. They, it's not year-round, but they do like the worldwide stout. Yeah, but, but they that's don't like all you can really think of. Eighteen, goddamn percent. Yeah, that one will put you on. It'll put you on your butt. And this one, I mean, this one's half that, but it great. I like it. Hmm. All right. Wow. Okay, guys. Well, that so. does it for me in the whole episode. I think we're gonna um, tie Mead up. Nice, nice, nice little bow. We don't have to come back to this one for second and third episodes. Yeah, I, it we was really for multiple episodes. We could do a revisit of some of our stuff at some point. Yeah, this... we we were discussing that earlier. Maybe uh, after the after the episode, we can talk a little more about it. Some <laughs> episodes that may need some revisiting. I mean, if you guys think we need to revisit stuff, maybe you should uh, you should ask us about it. Yeah. <laughs> If there's something you think we really screwed up in the first year, uh, let us know. But you can let us know by visiting haveadrinkshow.com. And there, while you're there, you can find useful links and info about us. But who would want that? Also look <laughs> at Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can tell us what you think we did wrong in that first year. Maybe we'll we'll come back to some things. Uh, you can do all of that at the address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Yes, guys, all joking fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone again, please drink responsibly. 
I still think it's funny. Uh, I finally drop in on the chat for a day nine stream, and the second I jump in there, everyone's talking about drunk driving and family members they've lost to drunks and alcoholism. And I'm like, I'm not going to mention what I do. And I was like, I'm going to politely I, I step say, out. Like, my, keys are, my keys are like out of sight, out of mind. I've, I'm locked in my house, <laughs> drinking alone with the internet, so I'm not really alone. Enabling my alcoholism. Are, are you sitting... In a hot tub, smoking poorly rolled blunts. <sighs> no. You're not R.L. Stein, okay. I'm not R.L. Stein. <laughs> okay, I, oh, okay. I, I, I was, this was driving me crazy because I was like, surely they have something else. I was looking on Dogfish Head's website and like. We don't. For, Stop for, calling us Shirley. God. For, <laughs> I was looking for like any other stouts that they do and. The scrapple they, one. <laughs> No, that's not even on there. Um, that's not even on there. They, they have one, but it's only it's it's a brew pub exclusive. So and and it's but it otherwise sounds really good. It's called the Syracuse Nira. Oh yeah, yeah. That um, one just won uh, that at uh, not World Beer Cup, but one of the ones that just happened. That one was a medal winner. It's with a Syrah wine um, and has notes of coffee, dark chocolate, and anise um, from a blend of roasted malts, plums, cherries. Oh, jeez. Okay. When when can we go to Dogfish Head for a trip, guys? Right. <laughs> Need to plan that. All right. We're yeah. we're just gushing now. Yeah, we're just going on. Sorry. Okay. Um, you can check us out for our next um live episode Saturday, uh, nine p.m. Eastern. Non-alcoholic. Um, yeah, the next non-alcoholic episode, actually. Yeah. Uh, Twitch TV. Caffeinated. The, the coffee. coffee. Oh, coffee. <laughs> That's right. Coffee part two. Uh, and you can also check out patreon.com slash have a drink show for and uh, I'm losing my mind. Uh, so once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>